Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. As you're giving, if you would turn to the book of John chapter 4 and then also 2 Timothy. John chapter 4 and 2 Timothy. Hold your finger in John chapter 4 and then over to 2 Timothy. While you're turning, I have a special little treat for you today. Are you ready? Uh, we've been in existence for 10 years, so I dug up in the archives uh, some video footage of the third service we ever had. The very third service. Now, our first service was September 18th, 2005, and, uh, but this is the third service. So I just want you to get a clip. This is just a clip of the, the third service we ever had back in 2005. Let's roll some of that footage. So this is Stephen Robin, uh, Boy Requester, leading worship. Zach is on the bass, Deborah Neff, and then Ron and Claudette. We're in the Little Theater at Wellington High School. We had met with a, a group of people to launch the church, including the Cromies and... Eddie Aiello is in first service, Terry is here today, we met and talked about launching it. We finally launched in September 18th, so here we are, and I mean this is kind of humble beginning, this is the entire of praise team, you can't see it but Mark Unger, maybe you can just barely see his face, he's in the back, the sound was so bad we had to take a piece of wood and put it across the, the, the drum cage, and then what's with all the plants, what? What is with all the plants? I'm like in the middle of a jungle. I feel like... I remember we would lug... Remember, we set up and we tore down for eight years, and we would set up these plants and tear down the plants and set up the plants, and I got sick of the plants, and so every month I would just throw one in the dumpster. And... and it took about eight months, but suddenly somebody noticed, what happened to all our plants? And I thought, I don't know what happened to the plants. So when we bought this building, I said, I never want to see another plant on stage as long as I live, and we don't have any. But we could say this, hey, listen, from humble beginnings, just a handful of people on the worship team. Today we had 17 people on our worship team. <laughs> Praise God. Mark's just done a phenomenal job. All of our church staff. Uh, listen, we were met in the little theater. Then we moved over to the gymnasium. We'd set up chairs and tear down chairs. And then we finally made our way into the auditorium. And the place just engulfed us. But then, just a few years ago, God blessed us with five acres of land, a beautiful building that we're meeting in today. And we could say this this morning. Look what the Lord has done. Can we give God praise today? Would you do that with me this morning? Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so many people, so many volunteers, so many staff members work so hard. And so we're just so grateful for what God has done over the years. So today we get to celebrate. Now you say, Pastor, are you, what are you preaching on? I'm still preaching on the end times today. So we're going to finish our series called Pay Attention. We may pick up some more of this topic later, but I want to talk to you today and just review for a minute about the end times. We said there were three things concerning uh, what's going on in the world that we need to pay attention to. 
Now, there's more than just three. In fact, last week I gave a list of what most theologians believe to be uh, uh, what's going to happen, the signs of the times. And so you can, you can always get last week's uh, sermon or go on our podcast. But, but I see three things that really catch my eye. Three things that just cause me to say, hey, yeah, we need to pay attention. And those three things are, number one, just a great falling away. And we talked about that in week one. We just said, hey, there's a great falling away. There's, there's churches and denominations that are believing strange doctrines. And, and there's people who once were very strong in the faith, that once were, were very connected with God. All of a sudden, they're disconnected. They no longer attend a church. They no longer claim God. They no longer follow after Christ. And you just see this happening more and more. And so I just see the rise of a, of a great falling away. And then last week we talked about the abandoning of Israel. How, how even as our nation, and, and even though the United States has been perhaps the staunchest defender of Israel, and we have been so close to Israel, and we've always defended Israel, even now we see with the rise of Islam we see that there are those who will abandon Israel and and walk away from Israel. And you never thought the the United States would make some of the decisions we're making, policies that we're making, but yet here we are. And so more and more nations are going to turn against Israel, and that's just a sign of the times. It's just for us to look at and to pay attention to. And then, of course, the moral decay of our nation. As more and more decisions are being made by lawmakers, as more and more people are, are living in ungodliness and unrighteousness, there, there's a moral decay that's taking place. Truth is being exchanged for a lie. Evil is being called good. The foundation and the moral fabric of our nation is under attack. And now it's... If you believe the Bible, they label you as, as crazy or, or all these different you know, things that they want to label you just because you, know, you believe the truth of the Bible, whereas 40 years ago, 50 years ago, most everybody in the United States believed this way. So there's a moral decay that's taking place. So what do we do? Well, let's look at the scriptures and let's see what God has to say about it today. And, and I kind of gave you a list, uh, a, a little bit of of what's taking place in our nation. But let's start, first of all, in 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. And and Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says very clearly in verse number 1, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of selfies. I mean, themselves. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's a previous sermon that I, I, I preached. Did you see, can I take a time out? Did you see in the news this week, more people have died from selfies, taking selfies, than have been killed by shark attacks. <laughs> Did you hear that? That's an, more people have died taking selfies than killed in shark attacks. I just thought I'd throw that out to you. So men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, uh, parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, howdy, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, Paul says, 
from such them, don't let them be your closest friends, don't let them influence you, from such turn away. And look at this list and you think, hey, this thing was written when Paul was writing to Timothy over a thousand years ago, over 1,500 years ago, probably 1,900 years ago, Paul wrote this letter over that. And, and look, it looks like a description of what is taking place in our nation today. This is what's happening this is what people look like. And Paul said this, this is a sign of the days. There will be a moral day. People will turn from God, and this is how they're going to turn from God. There will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. As well as all those other things. And so we see this taking place in our nation because I just look and I go, that is a description of 2015. So what do we do about it? I gave you a list of what to do concerning each thing that we've been talking about. We said, number one, hey, hey, we have to move away from isolation. As we see persecution rising, as we see, as we see this taking place, we have to move away from isolation. Man, stop isolating yourself. In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, it's writing and says this, hey, listen, as you see dark days, difficult days approaching, get together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Stay connected. And then last week we said this, you've got to work out your own salvation, man. You need to get your house in order. And I don't just mean get your finances in order. They should always be in order. I don't just mean stockpile uh, goods, which, listen, God's called you to do that. Do that. I think it's a great idea. But more than anything else, get your house in order. Work your salvation out. Make sure things are right between you and God. Just make sure they're right between you and God. Man, make sure that you have a, a relationship with him that is not based on what you did 20 years ago, but it's based on the fact that every day you get up and you say, God, I'm dependent on you. You're my source. You're my supply. I'm going to follow after your plan, your purpose for my life. Make sure that your relationship with God is what it should be. And then I want to talk to you about this today. Put your focus on the lost. This is the third thing and the final thing in our to-do list. And, and if you're like me, sometimes this thing gets pushed to the very back agenda, the very back of our life. It's on the bottom of our to-do list. But I can't tell you how important this is today, putting your focus on the lost. I have friends that that just seems so far gone. I have family members that just seem so far gone. And so what do we do? How do we reach them? How do we, how do we once again take the main thing and let it be the main thing? You know, the devil doesn't mind if we sit there and talk about pre-trib and post-trib and mid-trib. The devil doesn't mind if we try to figure out who the Antichrist is. The devil doesn't mind if we, we sit there and, and study the end times and, and, and really focus on it and, and do that. What he does mind, though, is when the end times have such an impact on us, what he does mind is when we look at the signs of the times and we think to ourselves, yes, that's right, now we need to get busy reaching the lost. That's what he minds. That's what he doesn't like. Listen, we can sit in church all day. We can go to conference conferences all day. We can watch rapture movies and rapture TV and study all those things all day. But the minute we reach out to somebody else, that's what's going to give him a headache and a problem. 
And there could be no greater message on the end times, more important than pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib, more important than who's the Antichrist, more important than persecution. There could be no greater message than, hey, if we are in the last days, then it's time to put our focus on the lost. Amen? What could be more important than that? In Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And sometimes it's so easy to look at the moral decay and just want to give up and just think, I don't even know, I guess I'm just going to try to stay saved myself and maybe I'll take a couple kids with me, my family and my wife, and just kind of shelter yourself and just think, hey, you're going to put yourself in a lifeboat and maybe you guys will be saved, maybe your whole family will make it. While there's billions of people on the planet going to hell and they're all slipping away into a Christless eternity, what about them? And so we can't get so focused on ourselves that we forget that the world is lost. I want to give you just a couple things to do today. Just a couple things to help you refocus and put an emphasis on the lost. And the number one thing to do is, first of all, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And, and, and what do you mean? He said, Pastor, what do you mean? I thought you'd say the opposite. What I mean by that is this. Don't look in the natural. Look into the supernatural. Take your eyes off of stuff. Take your eyes off of things, right? And now begin to look and go, okay, God, show me who I need to reach. And don't think that you're going to do it by yourselves because you're not going to do it by yourself. Don't think that it's in your own strength. Don't think that the latest quote or the cutest little saying is going to get the job done because it's not. When I say close your eyes, what I mean is this, hey, take the focus off of yourselves, your own wisdom, your own strength. There's a spiritual warfare that's got to take place. There's battle that has to take place. They're not going to be won because we gathered in church. There's not going to be won because we checked in at Trinity West. That's not how they're going to be won. At some point, we're going to plead and beg God for the Holy Spirit to come and pour out his, his power, His anointing in our life. That's the only thing that's going to reach them. We've got to pray. We have got to pray. We have six people that gather every Friday morning. We should have 60, but we have six people that gather every Friday morning. We're praying for the lost, pleading for the Holy Spirit to come. See, that's the only way it's going to happen. We can get organized, and we can have great little services, and we can do all this, but if we don't at some point ask the Holy Spirit for his power to come into our life so that we can do something about those people who are lost, we're never going to reach them. Listen, it's the Spirit that gives life. In John chapter 9... Jesus actually said this, it is the spirit that gives eternal life. The flesh is of no value. The flesh is no good. It has to be spirit. It has to be the Holy Ghost. That's it. Let me kind of give you this example. If I was to say to you, hey, I have an assignment for you this week. Everybody in here has the same assignment this week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to drive down Southern Boulevard. I want you to go all the way almost to 441. But before you get there, I want you to turn left and I want you to go into the Queen of Peace Cemetery. I want you to drive around that cemetery, and all you have to do is raise one person from the dead. That's it, just one. 
That's your assignment. And you bring them back to church with you next week. <laughs> Just one. That's all you have to do. Raise one person from the dead. Now, here's my question for you. Who would you take with you? Who would you take with you? If you had to go to a cemetery today and raise one person from the dead, who would you take with you? Don't call me, because I ain't going with you. Why? You say, Pastor, why won't you go? Because I've never raised anybody from the dead. I've got no experience with that. Do you know anybody who has? You see, here's what I'm saying. What I mean by this is, why would you take anybody with you? What, what good is anybody going to do? Listen, it'll never be you. It'll never be the person you take with you. You could take Billy Graham. You could take the latest televangelist. You could take the, whoever you want with you. It has to be the Holy Spirit. They're dead. They have to be raised to life. Nothing you say as far as in the natural has to matter. It has to be spirit. It has to be the Holy Ghost moving in your life. It has to be God-ordained words. It cannot be wisdom from man. Only the Spirit gives life to dead things. Let me tell you, you have what you need to get the job done. You don't need to take anybody with you as long as the Holy Ghost goes with you. Amen? That's all you need. If God's told you to go to the cemetery, if God's told you to raise the dead, if the Holy Spirit's going with you, then you can get the job done. Amen? And let me tell you, you can get the job done at work. And you can get the job done at school. And you can get the job done with your neighbor and a family member because the Holy Spirit specializes in raising the dead to life. You just have to close your eyes and say, it can't be me. It's not me. See, some of you are so afraid to go because you're like, well, what am I going to say? What, what am I going to do? What if, they, what if they say no? What if they don't respond? What if they say, hey, never mention Jesus to me again? What if they do? Oh, well, right? The Holy Spirit says to do it. You do it. See, the next thing you have to do after closing your eyes, the second thing is you have to open your eyes. You close your eyes. In other words, you take the focus off of your own strength, your own ability. You take off of everything that the enemy is trying to distract you with. And then you have to open your eyes. In John chapter 4, if you're over there, John chapter 4, this is a story of Jesus reaching out to the Samaritan woman. And the Bible said that he had to go through Samaria. In other words, he had a divine appointment, a divine encounter waiting for him in Samaria to have this conversation with this woman. And so he has the conversation, but look what happens in verse number 28. After he talks to this woman, the Bible says that the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out. Listen to this, verse city, then 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, in other words, as they're coming... In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. Now listen to verse 35. It says this, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And Jesus wasn't pointing at a field, and he wasn't looking at a tree, and he wasn't taking them and trying to take their eyes off of, off of you know, uh, uh, people. He was saying, hey, look, there's a crowd of people coming right now. Remember the Bible says in, in verse 30, people were coming to him, and so he said, look, lift up your eyes. Forget about the food. Forget about everything else. Lift up your eyes. You see that crowd of people coming? That's the harvest. There's a crowd of people coming our way. Now, are you ready? Don't say four months. Don't wait till you think you got everything together. Don't think, well, if I could just get this career worked out, if we could just get these kids raised, if we could just, you know, work out everything with our finances, then maybe we'll do God's will or do God's plan. Don't say, hey, we're going to wait. Now is the time to reach out. Now the harvest is ready. Do you know how many people are on this planet there are 7.3 billion people in the world today 7.3 billion and and conservative estimates and i say conservative i mean very conservative estimates there's probably 2 billion people that claim to be a christian and we know not everybody that claims to be actually is but let's just you know for the sake of numbers let's just say okay 2 billion people are actually christians actually saved that means that 5.3 billion people are on this planet completely lost. That's the harvest. You say, well, how, how many is 5.3 billion? Well, let me just give you this little example of how many that really is. If you were to start at this altar, if you were to start right here in this building at this altar, and you were to make a line of people with those 5.3 billion that line would go all the way down, down the hallway there and, and out the door of our church. And, you know, that line would keep going all the way down Southern Boulevard. And that line would keep going all the way, all the way until it hits the ocean. All the way past the turnpike, past I-95, and it would just go all the way to the ocean. And that's just stretching them. That's just, just one right after the other, just a single file line. It would not only go all the way to the ocean, if it could, if you could build a bridge, it would go all the way across the Atlantic, all the way through Africa, and then through Asia, all the way around the Pacific, and then it would go all the way around and come all the way back and come right back in that door and all the way back down to this altar. Never break five billion people. But it wouldn't just go around once. They'd start again, and they'd go around again all the way back another time. But they wouldn't just go twice. It would go five times, 10, 15 times, 20 times, 25 times, 35 times, 37 times it would go around the equator 5.3 billion people. And God is calling us to do something about it. And God is saying to us today, close your eyes. It's not about you. But yet, He's saying, open your eyes. 
because there's 5.3 billion people lost away from God. 5.3 billion people that don't know Jesus that are going to slip into eternity without Christ. And we have this brief window because we don't know when the end's going to come. I don't know if the rapture will happen in my lifetime. I don't know if it'll happen in your lifetime. I don't know if it'll happen in my kids' and my grandkids' lifetime. I know it's going to happen. I know Jesus is coming back. But I also know this. One day I'm going to slip out into eternity. We're only going to get the roll around once. And that's it. And in Psalms 39 it says this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. Remind me, Lord, how brief on earth my time is. That I just have this short window, this brief little time to reach 5.3 billion people. And maybe in my lifetime it'll only be 10 or 15 or 20, maybe 100, I don't know. But I want to do something about those 5.3 billion people. And you can do something. Listen, the Holy Spirit has given you everything that you need. If you have him, you can raise the dead to life. We just have to be sensitive to this. Listen, I asked you a moment ago to, to take out your phone and, because I believe that one of the greatest witnessing tools that we have is not our phone, but I want to use it as an example today. Because here's what happens with our phone, is somebody calls us, and then we have an opportunity to either answer the call or ignore the call. You know, we have a green button, and we have a red button, or slide done a lot. We have, we have that in our phone, and we can also choose to send them a message, hey, I can't talk right now. We can just shut them off, or we can just do what most of y'all do, just put it down, whatever it is, you know. But at some point, you're going to, cross paths with somebody that's a part of that 5.3 billion. And when you do, the Holy Spirit is going to call you up. And you're going to have a choice to answer the call or to not. I remember years ago, I took, uh, my wife and I, youth pastors, we took kids skiing. And I remember that I, I was talking to the Holy Spirit, you know, hey, if you want me to share my faith, if you want me to do this, I, I know that you do. Just give me the right opportunity. Just speak to my heart. And we were on, on a ski lift. We were actually on one of those uh, trams, those gondolas, heading up the mountains. And, and we were on one of those, it's a cable car. And so we're in, and I knew most of the people in the cable car, but there's a few people that I didn't know. And I was just standing there pressed up against the window. And there's two guys next to me, and they're just kind of making out with each other. Just kissing on each other and, and different things. And I'm sitting right next to them. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call. Not in the natural. The Holy Spirit called me up. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. Say something. And I went, declined. I ain't saying nothing. You know? I just, I just pushed the mute button on that one. And the Holy Spirit called me up again. Say something. You know, when he keeps calling you, you have to answer the phone at some point. Otherwise, here's what happens. The phone stops ringing. So the phone was ringing, 
And I thought, okay, what do I do? I, I have to, the Holy Spirit's impressed upon me. This is the greatest witnessing tool I have, my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I have to answer the call. So I did. So I just looked at these guys. I didn't know what to say. I mean, here we are right up and, you know, going up a mountain. And so I said to them, I said, hey, guys, let's have a question for you. Man, this cable breaks and we fall to our death. Where are you going to spend eternity? That's all I could come up with. That's it. I couldn't, I didn't know, there's no, there was no Jesus loves you or nothing. I mean, it was just like, we all could die at any moment, you know. And actually, the guy comes back and says, well, I just believe we're coming back as butterflies. And I thought, well, you could have picked something a little, you know, stronger. I mean, you know, butterfly, good luck with that. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever, okay. And I don't, they didn't get, you know, saved that day. I didn't lead them in a sinner's prayer. There was no miracle that took place in that tram. They got off and went their way, and I got off and went, went, went my way. But all I know this is I planted a seed. See, we're not responsible for conversion. Remember, we're not even able to do that. We can't raise dead things to life. All we do is plant a seed. And we allow the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do. Right? And I planted a seed, and I just don't know what happened. But all I know is this. I was responsible for making contact. God is responsible for the conversion. Yes. Amen? Now, what could be more important on our 10th anniversary than going back to this message? Reaching lost people. God did not call us to start a club. He didn't, start us to, he didn't call us to start a community organization. Trinity West is not some little get-together, you know, where people just come and get to hang out. We get to hear great music and, and adequate preaching and, you know, fellowship with each other. That's not what God has called us to do. If we ever lose sight of why we exist as a church, we might as well shut the doors and not go another 10 years. But if we can keep the main thing the main thing, if we can keep our focus on people who are lost, reaching those people, then God will give us an incredible future. Because let me just tell you, God's heart every day Every day beats for those 5.3 billion people. See, those of you who are parents here today and, and you've had multiple children, you know what it's like. When I had my first child, you just think to yourself, you couldn't love anything more. And then the second one came along. And God didn't have me take some of my love for my first child and and transfer it to my second child, what God did is he enlarged my heart. And the second one came along, and I thought, wow, who could love anything more? I mean, God just, you love them both. And then, you know, we, more, and then more. And some of you keep going. I don't know why, but you just keep going and going and going and going, you know? Good luck with that, but you just keep going and going and going. And so, but your heart just expands. Your heart gets bigger. Your heart enlarges right? Imagine God's heart. For the seven billion people who are on planet earth, but that doesn't count the billion already or so who've already lived and existed. How big is God's heart? How big should our heart be? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Each person in this place can do this this morning. 
you could think of someone. A family member, a friend, a coworker. a neighbor, and you may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. They're so lost. They're so away from God. I mean, I mean, there's nothing I could say to them, Pastor, that would ever make a difference. Good. That means you've figured it out. There is nothing you could say to them. There's nothing you could say to them. When you close your eyes, just like they're closed today, and you begin to beg and plead God, you begin to ask God for their soul, you begin to cry out in anguish and travail, then the Holy Spirit can do for them what you could never do. He can grip their heart. He can have conviction come. He can intersect their life. He can set them up with a divine appointment. We have to begin once again to pray like never before. And then when he gives you the opportunity, when the phone call comes in, when you find yourself face to face with somebody who's pouring out their heart or sharing their hurt or it's a complete stranger or waitress or waiter and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just calls you up and says, say something. We answer the phone call. We lift our voice. We plant a seed or we water a seed so that 5.3 billion people don't slip away into eternity without knowing God. And let's start this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray today, Lord God, for the lost as a church, Lord God, may we never lose sight on our 10-year anniversary, may we never lose sight of the harvest. May we not say another year, five more years, 10 more years, and then the harvest is coming. May we look, God, and see that there is a sea of people out here, neighbors and coworkers and family members who are lost without you, God. And Jesus, you can come at any moment. Lord, we don't want to lose them. We don't want to miss out on spending eternity with them. We want to take them with us, God. So we pray for their souls right now in Jesus' name. Would you do that right where you're at? Would you begin to pray for somebody? Would you begin to right now ask God for their life? Plead for a son or a daughter, mother or father, neighbor, co-worker.